Okay. That's time is nuts. ticking away. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Russell. Hey, Sean. You're Russell. That's right. You're Sean. I'm Sean. We're pastors. We are pastors and, and uh, elders. El- pastors, elders, bishops, uh, presbyters, shepherds? shepherds. So, what is that? Why is that? Why are yeah, let's talk about it some other time. Okay. What are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about Jesus. Yeah. And his divinity. Yeah. Is Jesus God? Right. That's and that's a question that every Christian needs to know the answer to. Obviously. Absolutely. It's a question that has for centuries been attacked. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a point that we would disagree with. Millennia, even. Millennia, yeah. Mm. We would disagree with uh, other religions who say, no, he's just a prophet. He's just a guy. Yeah. He's a good teacher. Yeah, uh, a great would, moral example. We would disagree with the secular world. Yeah. Um, the Bart Ehrmans who say, yeah, Jesus never claimed to be God. You know, this is just something that developed later and his followers made him a deity. Yeah, I think those two things that you just said right right now can can really be the whole basis for our conversation today okay jesus never claimed to be never claimed to be god never claimed to be god okay and his followers never really understood him to be two two yeah and if we think of something else we can throw it in there and so and we would profoundly disagree with that profoundly i can't make my face more emphatic and and we would disagree with that as christians and as people who believe that the bible is the word of god yeah that's right so we're the fundamentalist kind of that's right and we put the fun in fundamentalists. I think that's clear when you watch this podcast. Now, brother, I want to tell you, I've had Jehovah's Witness come to my house, and I invited them in over the course of seven weeks, and I asked them if they could prove to me from Scripture that Jesus wasn't God. Were you a Christian at the time? I was. Did you... Did, were you I wasn't a healthy Christian. Were you trying Christian. to lure them in and... and no, I was them? really open. You know why? Because I really wanted to believe what the Bible said about Jesus. And so if the Bible... I thought wasn't clear about it or if it said something other than what I thought I knew because I had just taken into I just come off the streets man I was a I was a drug dealer Mm. I got saved and I was trying to figure out this Christianity stuff I got wrapped up in the prosperity gospel I didn't know any better and when I came to see that I was wrong about the prosperity gospel I thought well man maybe I'm wrong about Jesus too maybe maybe Jesus really wasn't God so these Jehovah's Witnesses came in yeah did they open the Bible yeah and they walked through they spent a lot of time telling me that my Bible wasn't uh, it's funny how that the good works. Bible. You yeah. need the edited version. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I want to be clear, brother. It was it was Scripture that led me to cling to the divinity of Jesus Christ. That was before I I knew what hermeneutics was or anything like that. It was just it was all over every page. It was yeah. clear. And so when you say it's clear the divinity of Jesus, yeah, are you talking about like really straightforward proof texts like we always go to? Like, hey, why do you believe Jesus is God? And I say, well, John 1 1. In the right. beginning was the Word. The Word, and the was, word with was with God, and the Word was God. Hebrews, Done. exact representation Hebrews, of his yeah, image. They, the angels worship him yeah. in Hebrews 1. Is there, I mean, is that all you're talking about? Is yeah. just having that Rolodex of, of quick and easy scriptures where it points yeah. to the divinity of, of Jesus? Yeah. That's certainly helpful. Okay. It's kind of like when, when, when I get into conversations about the Trinity. You know, the Trinity isn't super... There's nowhere in the Bible that says God exists as three persons, one essence. You know, it it doesn't say that. Mm -hmm. But if you let kind of Scripture holistically speak for itself, even in, in, in short chunks of Scripture you can see that that's just the clear teaching. So, for example, people kind of have their proof text that they like to go to for the Trinity, Mm -hmm. okay? I think a better way is to go to Ephesians 1. Okay. 
right? And just look at look at the economy of God and salvation. The Father elects and predestines, adopts. Mm-hmm. He sends the Son to redeem, and then He sends the Spirit to seal and for the day of redemption. And, and you see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together in perfect unity since before eternity's past until eternity future in order to accomplish salvation. To me, that is an equally compelling and helpful argument as other stuff that you see in Scripture. Now, I like that, but yeah. but you just gave some ground to the Jehovah's Witness, right? Yeah. Because he's going to come in and he's going to say, hey, the word Trinity is not in your Bible. That's right. And so, that's, yeah. But, but you're saying that's not a problem. Yeah, I'm saying that's not a problem. I, as an illustration for what I'm about to say, <clears throat> I think those proof texts, like Hebrews, it, mm. it's helpful. And you should definitely use them. You should be familiar with them. You know, even if you think you're in a place where you might be having this conversation, brush up and, and go look at those texts. Maybe write them down in your Bible before you go have that conversation with that person that you're going to try to help, right? And we're talking about the Trinity in a conversation about the divinity of Jesus yeah. for a good reason. Okay. And that's because we believe Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. We believe that Jesus is not the Father. Not the Father. the Father is God. Yeah. And we believe that Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, but that the Holy Spirit is God. And yet we also believe, as the Bible testifies throughout the Old New Testament, that yeah. there is one God. Yeah. So when we say Jesus is divine, we have to be talking about the Trinity. Yeah, it's Because that's the way in which we understand his divinity. Absolutely. Um, and I like what you said there about the holistic view. Mm-hmm. Because what I've found is when you talk to people who deny the divinity of Jesus mm-hmm. or Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, uh, people who will say, well, he's kind of a God, but yeah. he's not the God. He's not the Yahweh of the Old Testament. Then what you run into is a, is a, a view where they'll look at parts of scripture mm-hmm. and nod their head. Yes. Okay. We agree with that. And they've got to ignore something else. That's right. They have to contradict scripture either in contradicting that there is only one God mm-hmm. or in contradicting that Christ is divine. Yeah. Um, so what are some of those other ways that we can look at scripture to see the divinity of Jesus? You just got done preaching through the book of Mark. Excellent example. So, uh, uh if you, I honestly was thinking about writing a book, but I'm probably not called the divinity of Jesus and Mark. And I'd probably say it, it would be a better title than that. But honestly, brother, so. spending a year preaching through the book of Mark, it felt like every sermon, the divinity of Jesus was coming, coming out. I mean, even from the very beginning, right? How does the gospel of Mark begin? It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And then all throughout the gospel of Mark, <clears throat> you see Jesus doing and saying things that only God can do and only that God can say. So we, we started with the kind of cultural narrative that you see all over the internet that Jesus never claimed to be God. Right. Uh, he never said, hey, I'm God. Yeah. It's just something that people began to think about him later. But he begins to call himself God almost immediately in his ministry. So talking in me so many that. different ways. Where do we see that? Well, I mean, for example, scripture is he quotes scripture from the Old Testament about himself that in the Old Testament referred to Yahweh. That's right. I mean, I mean, yeah. I think that's probably one of the most powerful. I I see that in uh, Revelation chapter one. Mm-hmm. I am the first and the last. Yeah. I died and I've been raised to eternal life. Yeah. I am the first and the last. That's not just like a catchy phrase. Right. He is quoting Isaiah. Yeah. And in Isaiah, I am the first and the last was Yahweh speaking. So he is taking that title and applying it to himself. Yeah. He's, he's taking eternality, right. which is an attribute that only belongs to God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in the rest of the book of Mark, you can see that, you know, Jesus seems to have authority over nature, authority over sickness. So authority, he calms the sea. Yep. In the storm. Uh, he authority over sickness, demons. He cures sickness. Out demons. Yep. 
He even forgives sins. And so as you read the book of Mark, everywhere that Jesus goes, he, he says and does things and people go, who is this man? Where, where does he get this authority? How can he do that? Even when he forgives sins, the, the crowd that's around him basically says like, only God can forgive sins. Mm-hmm. So who does this guy think he is? It's, it's amazing to me too how often, I, I don't understand how you can claim that Jesus never claimed to be God when you see the Jews in the New Testament so often trying to kill him. Because he because, says things that are, yeah, only God can say. That's right, yeah. So he says, even before Abraham was? I am. I am. Yeah. And they pick up stones to stone him, and, and the text even says they did it because he was he was blaspheming. Right. Right? He was claiming to be God. That's right. Yeah. Even, even if you read, if you just look at the bookends of the Gospel of Mark, in the, this is the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. At the very end, the centurion stands and he looks up at Jesus' body hanging on the cross and he says, surely this man was the Son of God. Right. right. So Mark bookends his gospel with a clear proclamation of the divinity of Jesus. And you think that was his intention with that? Well, which leads us to our second point. What did Jesus' followers think about Jesus' divinity? Yeah. Well, I mean, if we just stop and focus on Mark right now, I think it's clear that the, the sole thing that Mark wanted to communicate in his gospel was that Jesus was the Son of God. And that's why it's so fast-paced. It's so rapid. You know, any extraneous details that kind of don't serve that main focus tend to fall off. Whereas in Matthew, he's concerned with showing Jesus as the descendant of David, right? Mm-hmm. This promised Messiah King, the Jewish hope, etc. And there's a lot more detail. But Mark, he's got one point, And his point is Jesus is the Son of God. And now that language, Son of God, communicated divinity. Absolutely. And that's something that I think a lot of people try and weasel their way out of these things. Yeah, son of God in the same way that Adam was a son of God. Right. Right. And and yet, Jesus doesn't give us the freedom to do that. No, no. I mean, it, that's where you have to let the content of the Gospel of Mark interpret what son of God means, mm-hmm. right? He's the son of God that that does things that only God can do, that shares qualities with God that only an eternal... You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, now, if we move outside of Mark... Uh, I think you can see things like Second John, mm. right? Second John is all about communicating the deity of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and actually, here's another helpful point for you guys to remember. You have to keep your heresies in chronological order, okay? You got to keep your heresies in chronological okay, order. Okay, talk me through that. So Arianism, mm. you know, a major heresy, Jesus isn't God, et cetera, et cetera. But that came centuries after the original heresy about Jesus, which was that... He's not physical. He's not physical, right? Right. The Gnostics came along and they said, well, yeah, everybody knows that Jesus is God. All the... Jesus said it. All of his followers believed it. Well, okay, we're Gnostics. We think that, you know, we live in this world where material is bad. If God, not material. Not material. He cannot have a physical body. And so you have an entire book, 2 John, which is is like helping churches think about how to deal with these Gnostic teachers bringing in these lies. So the Gnostic heresy of the the first and second century, Mm -hmm. second century. I mean, it was alive in the time of the Bible. It shows us that the consensus back at that point was that Jesus was divine. Long before people were dealing with the question about the divinity of Jesus, people were having to wrestle with the question about the humanity of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it actually took a couple of centuries. So for somebody like Bart Ehrman, who, by the way, is incredibly intelligent. Yes. For somebody who has spent as much time in the Bible and who has spent as much time studying church history as he has, for him to miss that is really surprising. It's almost like rejection of God's truth leads Mm. to a darkening of one's reasoning. 
I don't know about that. I've never heard of it. There's like a that. podcast about that, though. There may have been a podcast about that. Yeah. Which one's going to go up first? Uh, the other one. The other one? Yeah. So go listen to our last podcast yeah. if you didn't. All about apologetics. Yeah. So we have just kind of letting the holistic way that Scripture speaks about Jesus mm-hmm. speak for itself, right? Yes. We don't just have to have these kind of proof texts, right? right. And actually, proof texting can get you into trouble because yeah. the proof texting method is the same thing that the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormon or the secular, you know, unbeliever is going to use to show, well, Jesus was just a man. Yeah. See where he says, I'm the son of man. See where he falls asleep in the boat. See where he's hungry. Yeah. These are man-like qualities. Yeah. But if you look at the rest of scripture, you see, well, actually he was divine as well. Yeah. That's so, right. So holistic view. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Are we out of time? No, I'm checking. But holistic view of scripture, letting scripture kind of speak. And what that means is that you actually have to immerse yourself in like books of scripture. Right. Like, like there's no way I would have really seen Mark as this incredible apologetic for the, the divinity of Jesus if I wouldn't have spent a year in it. You know, when you, when you went through that, one thing that stood out to me that I hadn't seen before, Jesus is standing in this, you know, this nighttime trial mm-hmm. before the Sanhedrin. And he says, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Yeah. And I didn't recognize that when I'd read it before as a direct quotation or allusion to Daniel. Yeah. And he is calling himself this everlasting one who will have dominion and authority over the world forever. Absolutely. Which points right to Psalm 110. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Yep. And so, and then just let the New Testament speak for itself. And then mm-hmm. remember your church history. Yeah. Now, we, we just kind of gave these little pointers, but we got six minutes. Why does any of this matter? I was going to say, why does it matter that Jesus is God? Yeah. Couldn't he have just been a good teacher? Couldn't we learn a good moral lesson from him? Yeah. Couldn't he have just been a messenger for, of God who brought the message of salvation? And couldn't have God still use that? Well, that's where we get into the atonement. That's right. Which is going to be the subject of our next podcast. What was accomplished on the cross? Yeah. And how does God himself laying down his life for his people, how does that affect our theology? How does that affect the way we live and and what the gospel is? Yeah. And that is a great place to stop and go to the next episode later. Yeah, that's right. I I think so. So books you should read? Yeah, books you should read. We need a really fun way to introduce that little segment. Books you should read. I need a kazoo. Yeah, you do. All uh, right. Tim Keller. Tim Keller. Author. Author. Magician? No. Ballet Pastor. enthusiast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim, he's never going to live that one down. N.T. Wright fanatic? Mm, yes, there's that. Hey, Tim Keller has been mightily used by the Lord, and this book has actually been used really powerfully by God in my life. Uh, Tim Keller basically wrote our generation's version of Mere Christianity. Which is a C.S. Lewis classic. Classic. Uh, maybe next episode when we talk about the atonement, we'll come we, back to we need that. need a C.S. Lewis episode. Yeah, we do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Mere Christianity was that book that, that a lot of college students and any a bunch of people had put in their hands and said, hey, you read this. And they read it and they were just blown away mm-hmm. by the reality of the gospel and of Jesus and, and they became Christians. Uh, he was writing to a different crowd, yeah. different context. And his theology wasn't perfect. No, it Far wasn't from it. by a mile. Yeah. The Lord used it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Tim Keller, speaking to our generation, has done a much better job. Uh, and basically what he does is presuppositional apologetics mm-hmm. all the way through. Uh, and I think he does an excellent job exposing the presuppositions of, of the millennial mind. So would you give this to a Christian or an unbeliever or either or? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. I, this is one of these books that I keep extra copies of to give to people. Uh, it's it's not it's not for the guy down the street that it's not for the guy that you meet at Waffle House. What's wrong with Waffle House? I know I like Waffle House. Are you and judging I, I read the this people book. at Waffle House? Yeah, a little bit. And Hispanic, I like Waffle House. Hispanic privilege is that a thing? That's a thing. Okay. Uh, but I mean, it's it's a little heady. Yeah. You know, and he likes to quote philosophers like Thomas Nagel and Daniel mm. Dennett and and other people. Anyways, it's a great book. It's very helpful. I would get extra copies of it to give to people. It's much better than his sequel, Making Sense of God. Good to know. Yeah. So this is the one to read. I think so. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, follow us on Instagram, yep. Defend and Confirm. Uh, Facebook, also Facebook slash Defend and Confirm. Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Uh, we're not on Twitter yet. Vine. Vine. Mm, I'm not nine years old. Tinder. So. Tinder. Uh, Grinder? No. Is that a Whoa. thing? Whoa. <laughs> we're going to edit that one <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. Whoops. This is Sean signing off from San Diego. Why do you do that every time?